Mr. Benfica is a production of the PTB Media Network. All rights reserved. This podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Podbean, Stitcher, CastBox, Overcast, Himalaya, Pod Paradise, TuneIn, Breaker, and now available on iHeartRadio, Radio.com, and also on Audible for Amazon Prime subscribers. As always, select episodes available on YouTube and, of course, at www.mrbenfica.com. Please like, share, and rate the show on your preferred platform. Enjoy the show. What's up, Benfica Nation? Welcome to episode 149 of Mr. Benfica. I am your host, as always, the Mr. Mike Agustinio, coming to you from the East Coast of the United States to the entire world, to the entire Benfica Nation. And we're talking women's football in this episode. I know everyone is excited about the men's team and their work in the UEFA Champions League, and I promise you that episode's dropping real soon. In fact, it might drop the same exact time as this one. Um, by the time you hear this, uh, the men's episode is probably already in your podcast uh, feed. But in this episode, 149, we're talking about the women's football team. We've got three matches to talk about here. we got wins in the league against Lanc Villaverdes and against Damayens. And the big one in this one we're going to talk about and spend a little more time on is the women's Champions League match at home at the Seychelles last week against Bayern Munich, the fifth-ranked team in the UEFA rankings. And um, a bittersweet one because the the ladies played so, so well in that match. The girls played so well. But uh, in the end, uh, we're hard done by, just by circumstance, hard done by uh, the way the match played out, hard done by a little bit of lacking a little bit of luck. Um, you know, got the opportunity to win it late, but, but uh, couldn't. Couldn't get the victory, couldn't get it done from the penalty spot, and then ended up paying the ultimate price for that lack of efficiency late in the match. But what was probably one of the best matches that Benfica's women's team has ever played um, all came undone in the last quarter hour, of course. But um, 
we'll talk about that one at length in just a moment. Uh, some news before we get into this episode, okay? So, uh, coming up this week, there's one more match for the girls, and that is this Saturday, the 5th of November. It is a 3 p.m. kickoff time uh, in Portugal, which is 10 a.m. our time here in the United States. Sorry, it is 11 a.m. because uh, we're still we're still not in daylight savings time here in the in the north in North America. We will be on Sunday, but not on Saturday. So it's a four hour difference. So it's an 11 o'clock kickoff time here in the East Coast of the United States. That makes it a 8 a.m. kickoff in in uh, the West Coast. So this match, I believe, will be on Canal Owens. It is Benfica traveling to Alcochet to take on Sporting. In the Liga BPI, this is the derby. This is a big, big match. This is so far the most important match of the season, of course, uh, especially domestically speaking. But really, so many ramifications. A win in this match could go very, very far towards towards uh, you know the the ultimate goal of winning the three of winning the third title in a row. Uh, it's so early in the season, but this match is so important. Um, it's it just you, you got to get a win here, uh, especially if you can go on the road and pick it up. That match is going to kick off on Saturday. After that, uh, there will be an international break, so we won't see the women for a little while. And uh, a number of them will be representing their national team. So I'll start off with some news about that. Uh, so congratulations, first off, to Chloe Lacasse, once again included in the list of players for Canada's national team as they're going to play a pair of friendlies against Brazil. Brazil not featuring any of, of Benfica's players this time around, which um, you feel for the players. I'm sure they love to play for their country. But the way our players come back with injuries all the time from national team play, I'm very happy that Ana Vitoria, Nicole Raisla, and company are staying and not going to play for Brazil. Um, these are all friendly, so I really wish that uh, none of them were going, but it, that wouldn't be fair, obviously. Uh, the following players were called into Portugal's team. There's a lot of them, again. And uh, again, so many of our injuries who were suffered at the hands of the Portuguese national team and not playing for the Befica jersey. But here they are. Uh, Andrea Norton is, is, in the, is in the squad. So is Andrea Faria, Carol Costa, uh, Catarina Amado. We'll talk about her. She's, she's back on the pitch finally and now right back to the national team. Ruth Costa, the, the goalkeeper, she's going to be included. Unfortunately, Francisco Neto never gives her a chance to play. And um, it's a little bit, a little bit of a, of a, you know, counterproductive thing to, to take her to the national team in that in this case every single time and never play her, but uh, that is what he does. And also going to the national team, of course, Jessica Silva, uh, Kika Nazare, and Lucia Alves. That's all of them uh, heading on international duty once again, as Portugal will play friendlies against Haiti and Costa Rica. Uh, both of those will be played in Portugal as Portugal continues their preparation for March's, or is it February? Maybe it's February's World Cup Intercontinental Playoff, the final hurdle. If they get over this, they will be at the World Cup in Australia and New Zealand in next year. So uh, Portugal is getting ready with a big, big uh, core of players from Benfica to try to make it to its first ever World Cup. So, of course, good luck to them. And hopefully everybody comes back safe and sound and in good health. All right, let's talk about the Champions League for a moment. Uh, it is, like I said, Benfica so close to making history in the UEFA Women's Champions League last week 
against such a strong team like Bayern Munich. Um, again, the fifth-ranked team in the UEFA rankings. I mean, Fico were right there. I mean, just moments from from winning that match. It was it was a thrilling match, and I have to say, it didn't go our way. But these, I have a lot of thoughts on this. Okay, these are the kind of things that are necessary for the growth of of a team, for the growth of a club, and you're gonna you go to the Champions League to play these type of games against these type of teams, and I think that. You just have to sometimes take your hat off to the opponent, and sometimes you just don't have quite enough, but we're a lot closer than we were. And it's important to note that despite la- last year, we were drawn into the same group as Bayern Munich as well, and we we drew them at home, nil-nil. That was a much different game, and that was a game in which we, we bunkered in. We, we, we did everything we could to play for the nil-nil, to be quite honest, and we managed to pull it off on a night when Bayern just could not hit the just could not hit the goal they could not get themselves into the into the flow in the final third and just we also had a huge game from Leticia in that one which which preserved the draw and that's always you know very important and we don't have that kind of goalkeeper anymore that's a reality we now have to accept and I don't know how many of those are out there that are willing to come to Befica for as bad as it sounds it is the truth and it's it's never going to be easy. And I don't know what the budget is for this team. I can't pretend to. It's hard just to get an injury report from, from uh, on this team. You know, players come and they go, and sometimes they're here, and sometimes they're not at the match, and sometimes, you know, they're missing, and then they're you don't hear about them, and they're back in. So just getting information in regard to this team is very difficult. And now trying to figure out what what type of budget you need to bring in one of those kinds of players it's not easy it's not easy at all and there's a large segment of the fan base so this is this is something although it's good that we have people paying attention to this team that's fantastic so when you get in criticism towards the manager it's it's a good thing uh in one respect in another it's difficult because people tune in only for the champions league matches it seems like and i don't think most people have a full co- grasp of what the reality is in women's football in Portugal and in Europe, but especially in Portugal right now. The reality of saying we need this kind of player and we need that kind of player, it's not something that is is very doable. And remember, once again, something in Portugal especially that fans struggle to grasp, whether it's it's even with the men's team as well, When in, in regards to the men's team, the, this idea that, the answer is always outside of the team. And it's like the concept of a project just doesn't seem to resonate with anybody. This women's team is still in the early stages of its project. Bayern Munich has had a women, a professional women's team, or at least a women's team. I shouldn't say professional. I don't know how long they've been professional to be exact, but they have had a women's team since 1971. Benfica is on year five. Okay. Year five, we were champions twice in the first division, once in the second division, and the other season was canceled. Okay, we're still very, very early in this process. This team is still a baby. Things take time, and if Benfica is going to get competitive in Europe, it's not going to be in the transfer market. It's not going to be going to spend for players. Yes, you can spend for a player here or a player there, and yes, a goalkeeper 
keeper to the caliber of Leticia's would be the missing piece, really. We'd be we'd be so much stronger. I, I get it. But I don't I don't know of any goalkeeper out there that's available that would be interested to coming to Benfica. And the flip side of this is we cannot plan the entire growth process of a team based on six Champions League matches. These Champions League matches are part of the process. They are not the end of the process. They are part of the process. And our players are going to grow and get better by playing in these matches against these teams. I've said it once. I've said it a million times. UEFA needs to get a Europa League going for women so that teams like Benfica, like Rosengard, like, um, you know, like Velaznia, like all these teams that, you know, that go through the qualifying rounds to get into the Champions League and then meet the real titans of women's football, the FC Zurichs, okay? They need to have a Europa League for these teams to continue playing at this high level so that when they go out of the Champions League, at least, you know, they can drop into another secondary competition. Plus, all of those teams whose European season ends in July and in August because they're playing preliminary rounds, you know, they they need to keep those teams and keep them playing. They need to run a Europa League for women. I, I don't know how many times I have to say this. I know... It'll happen eventually, but the problem is it's just coming together too slowly for my liking. And UEFA is swimming in money. There's no reason why they can't run a Europa League uh, competition for women because clubs like ours and Rangers as well and Michelin, or excuse me, not Michelin, but uh, Azed Alkmaar um, or in FC20, which I, my memory is failing me as to which Dutch team it is we've, we've knocked out. It's, it's, it's FC20 and teams like that, okay, that we have, that have fallen early and then have to wait a whole calendar year before they get a chance at Europe again. At least we're getting into the, to the group stages now. Second year in a row, we got into the group stage and, we need more matches. This game proves we need more matches. We need more matches at this level because if you're going to bring in a top-level goalkeeper, what is she going to do in the domestic league? Really, what is she going to do against the Amores, against the Damayenses, against the the Torreenses of the world, against the Maritimus, okay? Very, very little action for a goalkeeper like that at that level. And that's what makes it hard to bring... Uh, goalkeepers in because goalkeepers want to play at the highest level. They want to play in the biggest leagues. Um, again, so little is known as to why Leticia left, but she left a year ago now. After the after the completion of the Champions League, she played one match. I think in the in the uh, or she played the first half of the of the championship phase, if I'm not mistaken. She she managed to stick around to play against Sporting before leaving. And we weren't compensated. How are we going to go and sign a goalkeeper when we're not even compensated when players leave? Okay, but this is the reality in women's football. You can't keep players against their will. There are things off the pitch that are important that need to be resolved as well. They need to be handled. Players need to feel they need to feel important. And there's a there's a documentary actually made by the Zone that's on YouTube now that I'm looking forward to watching very soon. Uh, and it, it goes, it's based on Chelsea's women's team, okay? 
It's a behind-the-scenes one. And I'm looking forward to watching it because in the trailer, Sam Kerr, one of the best players in the world, gets highlighted for making this statement. And I think this is a statement i got to repeat. And I, if I misquote her, my apologies, but I'm going off memory here. She says, in the men's game, you're, you are welcomed because you are good. Or you are welcomed because you're included. Or, Sorry, you are included because you are good. In the women's game, it's the inverse. You are good when you are welcomed or when you are comfortable. I can't remember exactly the, the exact quote that she used, but it's something along those lines. And we've seen players leave this team for different reasons and unknown reasons because everything is kept tight-lit about this team. But the the social aspect of the women's game is very, very important. It's important in the men's too. Don't get me wrong. Just look at our very own Rafa. Look at the football. Rafa is playing for Benfica now. Look how happy. Look at Rafa when he's happy and when he feels a, you know, a vital important part of the unit of the collective when he feels a member like he's a member of the family when he feels valued by his manager and his teammates versus Rafa of last season Rafa in the national team this is why Rafa does not want to play for the national team anymore he, it's not just a women's issue that that's that's a stereotype that needs to be smashed footballers in general okay need to be comfortable they need to feel important there there's a psychological an emotional part of the game that's been ignored for far too long. And part of fostering that is going through these ups and downs. Befica does not get enough of a challenge in Portugal. We play against Sporting, we play against Braga, and Famalicão. On most years, those are the three teams that, that, that give us a challenge. That's six games a year. In the league, at least. I know we play them in the Cups, too, but that's a different... That's a different um, species altogether but so few of the matches that Benfica play are all that challenging so the problem is it's it's the feast or famine model where we have the famine in the league and then we go to the Champions League and we lose 9-0 to Barcelona because they're way out of our out of our our level right we're way beneath our level plus like I said in the podcast when we played Barcelona missing key players didn't help at all uh having so many key players out and having to play players out of position and having to try even, you know, for lack of a better term, almost youth team players in that match. You know, and I'm thinking about Carolina Correa, who uh, I feel for because that that's a brutal welcome to the senior team that she had to endure uh, playing against, against Barcelona. So it's not quite as easy as people want it to be. This is a project. This is going to take years. We are on, very much on the right path. The the improvement from last year to this year in this match with Bayern Munich shows. Don't just look at the result, okay? When you're in a growing stage of a project, I'm not going to say the result is secondary because it's not, but the result is not the end-all, be-all. The process is the most important, and the process is going in the right direction. It's very important to continue to win the Portuguese League, to win the Liga BPI every year. It's very, very important to get through the qualifying stages and get into this group stage every year. And then this is where we cut our teeth. This is where we grow in this in this group stage against these top teams and just get closer each year. It it's you know that it was a very harsh welcome this year from Barcelona but I've said it and I'll say it again that's the best 
women's football team on planet Earth. I, I will stand by that. I'll continue to stand by that. I watched the NWSL championship, the, the American League's championship match. Barcelona, from a football standpoint, wipes the floor with those two teams. They may get knocked around. They may get pushed around. They, it, you, you know, those teams may be capable of, of containing them and preventing them from from getting the final piece, but because of their 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 athleticism. But from a footballing standpoint, Barcelona is the best football women's football team in the world, and they're doing something right. And the Spanish Federation is doing a something. Or I should say the Spanish program, the Spanish youth program is doing a lot right. They just won the women's U-17 World Cup. The United States was nowhere near the final. Okay, The world is catching up. And I'm, I'm going to say this. The top teams are, in, are going to be in Europe going forward. Not just because of roster rules, but because that's where the best players are and that's where the top players are going to want to be. This competition, this UEFA Women's Champions League is the premier competition. And this is where the top players should want to be, no matter where they're from. And Barcelona are, are leading the way. They're carrying the flag for beautiful football. And they're carrying the flag for, really, women's football. They are so entertaining. And this isn't to take away from the Europe, the defending champion, Lyon, the defending Champions League champion. This isn't to take away from Paris Saint-Germain or from Chelsea. Also very good teams. But Barcelona, are the, they are the ones that, are that are mesmerizing the crowds. They are the ones putting 90,000 in a stadium. They are the ones that really are the best of what this game can be right now or what this game is right now. They are the showpiece to the rest of the world for women's football, in my opinion. Um, and it's never going to be easy for a Benfica team to go in there and, and play them. Okay, I, I do expect that we will have a better performance when they come to Portugal to play us. But again, that's all part of the learning process, and, and the fan base needs to have some patience. It's not Hua Filipa. You know, you can't just want to sack the manager. This is this is a project. Once again, this is a project. She's part of a process. This is not something that all of a sudden we're gonna we're gonna. Did she did she get things wrong in that match? Of course, but she's also learning. She's also growing. She's also not challenged very much at the domestic level. Okay, it, it it's a grassroots thing. It starts from the bottom and it's got to be built up. So that's my my rant right now. And um, I'm going to take a quick break. But when we get back, we're going to talk about this Bayern Munich match and then move into the two Liga BPI matches. And uh, we'll start with the Champions League. So. Here's the Champions League anthem, and when I get back, the Women's Champions League anthem, they got their own anthem. When I get back, we'll start talking about this match. I'm the Mr. Mike Agustinho. This is Mr. Benfica, episode 149. Follow the show on Twitter at Benfica Mr. and on Instagram at Mr. Benfica, and check out the homepage, www.mrbenfica.com. We'll be right back.
And welcome back to Mr. Benfica episode 149. Let's get into the match then. Uh, we'll start with the Champions League match. Uh, we'll go a little out of order chronologically. We'll start with the Champions League match, spend a little more time on it, and then recap the two Liga BPI matches after that. So we're at the Seychelles, and it is Benfica taking on, of course, the German champions, Bayern Munich. All right, Bayern managed by Alexander Strauss, and he's going to come out in a 4-3-3 on this one with the goalkeeper, Maria Roll. And the right back is is Max Rall, the center back pairing here. You got the Japanese international Saki Kumugai and the Icelandic international Gladius Vigostotter. And the left back is German Carolyn Simon. In midfield, on the right side, you've got Sarah Zadrazil, the Austrian international Playing in the middle of the park in the in the center midfield position is the MVP of the match, England international European champion, Georgia Stanway. Remember that name. And to her left is the German international, Lena Magol. Also a very, very good player, very recognizable player. The front three in attack for the Bavarians. You've got Clara Buell playing as the right-sided forward. The striker is Leia Schuler and the left-sided forward is Linda Dahlman, all German internationals there. And that 11 would take the pitch against Benfica. That is a strong 11. Philippa makes a change from a match day one, going with American Katie Talbert in goal. Um, she replaces Ruth Costa in this one. Uh, after a tough night for Root in, in match day one, no, nonetheless, not sure it was really her fault. But uh, again, Felipe's going back and forth with these goalkeepers. They're they're splitting time. Uh, neither one is really a standout number one right now. It doesn't look like they're. It looks like they're going with a goalkeeper by committee, if you will, rather than playing with you know one set goalkeeper that plays all the important matches. So. Katie gets the start in this one. She uh, gets a chance to play Champions League football, which I'm sure is uh, very exciting for her at this stage in her career to finally get to the opportunity of playing a match uh, in the UEFA Women's Champions League. Valeria Cantuario gets the start at right back. Benfica does switch here. So Filippo uh, made another change in that she went from a back three to a back four. And Valeria gets the start at right back. She's a forward by trade, but again... Um, the reality is when your starters are injured, there isn't always somebody to replace them. And rather than put undue pressure on a young player in such a tough match, uh, Philippa opts instead to go with the veteran, to go with the experience of Valeria Cantuadu and let her um, let her just kind of weather the storm as a converted right back. Another Speaking of converted uh, positions, Another attacker gets converted into a center back position. She had done this in the Lunk Bila Verdens match as well. It is Nigerian international Christy Uchibe who gets the start pairing up with the with uh, the center back Carol Costa. And the left back back from suspension is Lucia Alves. So back four rather than a back three in this one. It looks like um, you know, it looks like Philippa made some changes, and Andre Val as well, her and her staff, they made some changes from the first match and um, had to play it a little bit safer and had to, had to protect the back a little bit more in this one. 
In midfield, the captain on the night, Pauleta, sits in front of the back four. She has Andrea Faria to her right and Ana Vitoria to her left. And the front three in attack, Nicole Raisla is the is the striker with Kika to her right and Chloe Lacasse to her left. Uh, those were the 22 players selected by the two managers to take part in this match. And it starts off, you know, like like you would expect. And Befica is going to try to weather the storm early. They're going to try to keep it nil-nil as close as they can, or as long as they can. This was something they were not successful of doing at La Masia. So it was very good to see them do this much better here in this match and keep it close for longer and allow themselves a chance to get into it. Uh, in the ninth minute, the first opportunity of the chance, Clara Buell would get on the end of, of a ball from Lena Magol. And Clara Buell with the left foot from outside the box. She hits the left post. It was nearly 1-0 in the ninth minute. But Benfica would get their composure and would readjust, reorganize, and continue to to see out the match a bit and to let the match kind of take on its natural rhythm and kind of weather that early storm, like I said, of a very, a very high tempo and a very dangerous, you know, just always in danger of falling behind and in danger of, of letting it get out of hand if you if you don't manage the match a little bit in the beginning. Ana Vitoria gets an opportunity in the 20th minute, but uh, the goalkeeper uh, was a little bit too much for her there. And uh, Benfica start to really play some good football here. Around the 20-minute mark, they start to get their footing. They start to really... Um, they start to really command some of the respect from, from Bayern Munich. They start to move the ball a little bit, start to keep it a little. Kika having a good game. She uh, was really into this one. And this needs to be said out front because I saw a lot of criticism about her being subbed off. It needs to be understood that Kika's fitness is not at 100% yet. She's still coming back from injury. And she really didn't get the best recovery. And again, like I said, when you don't have the same communication from the first team um, in terms of injuries, in terms of player statuses, you don't really know where they are in their recovery. But the fact that she's yet to play 90 minutes all season tells me that she is not ready, uh, certainly not ready to play 90 minutes against Bayern Munich. And again, she was very good in this match, but I don't think Philippa had any choice but to substitute her when she did. A lot of people criticized the manager for that. I, I saw very reputable people saying to me via Twitter that you know that the coach lost the match, and I don't think the coach lost the match. I think the coach's hand was forced in making the switches. She had to make the 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 tempo and the pace of this match was much higher than anything this Benfica team is used to, and they did what they could, and they and they pushed and they matched it, and they they hung in there. But it does wear on the on the team, and again, it's a much much different reality than what they are used to. In the twenty seventh, Bayern does get a chance from a free kick. It is Georgia Stanway again, but it, the the effort is cleared by Carol Costa, and it's played out. Kika has a great opportunity in the thirty second minute, right footed shot from outside the box, but it is saved in the bottom right corner. She gets on the end of a pass from from Ana Vitoria, excuse me, and gets herself into some space and gets a right-footed shot out. But the goalie makes a, a very, very good uh, save there, low in the right corner. 
40th minute, another attempt for Benfica. It's Ana Vitoria once again, right-footed shot from outside the box, but saved in the top center of the goal. 41st minute, and it is Bayern looking like they were going to score, but Sarah Zadrazil, the Austrian, caught offside after a nice ball played through by Clara Buell. And then in the still in the 42nd, it finally comes together here, and it is it is Nicole Raisla with a left-footed shot from the center of the box. It was Chloe doing all the hard work down the left. Chloe beating her 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 marker, getting into space, and then driving the ball along the ground diagonally towards the penalty spot where Nicole came arriving, and with her left foot, her patented left foot, she smashes it into the bottom left corner. A beautiful goal for the Brazilian international, assisted by the Canadian international. Befica take a surprise lead in the 42nd minute. A nice assist there for Chloe Lacasse. And the crowd comes alive. It says here that there was 747 in attendance at the Seychelles. That is, I'm sorry, but that is borderline pathetic if that's the case. Um, it sounded like there were a lot more. I watched this match live on, on YouTube, on the DAZN, like all the matches. I watched the Portuguese broadcast because I didn't really care for the English one again. They uh, And I was at work watching it as well. That's true, too. I had an earbud in and I was trying to listen. But um, they they don't know the the English language broadcasts have very limited information on Mayfica, and they talk a lot and a lot about the opponent. So if you do speak Portuguese, if you understand Portuguese, if you're going to watch these matches on YouTube, as you should, I do recommend picking the Portuguese uh, language one because it, they just they know the team better, and it's 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 just as a Mayfica fan more enjoyable. Because you're not just hearing about about the other team the entire time, which is what happens in the in the English language broadcast. So we go into halftime. It is one nil to Benfica. A little bit of a surprise, and Filipa and Andrea have to be very happy when the team gets into the into the team room. Supporters got to be happy. And again, I'm going to mention this again before we continue, because it should be mentioned. This game. Needed to be played at the Luge. This is that might have been the difference, and maybe that would have been that extra little spurt of energy that could have kept this team on top of this match and maybe hung on for a result. Um, the crowd, it says, like I said, it says seven hundred forty-six. It sounded like more. They were active, but that's very, very, very few people. If that's in fact the case, and well, this isn't a matter of attendance. I've heard people say that, and that what are you know one or two thousand people going to go do at the Stade de Luge. But what I have to say about that is it's a matter of principle. And when you put it at the Stade de Luge, you tell people that it's worth coming to. When you put it at the Seychelles, you don't say that. You give a different message. And then you get only the most hardcore of fans that come to the matches when you do that. If this match had been played at the Seychelles and advertised properly and marketed properly, and it would have had a it would have had a, a much much bigger crowd. You would have had several thousand people. And even even then, it's a matter of principle. It's the Champions League. It's the highest level that you can play in women's club football in the world, and it should be played in the main stadium when possible. And it was possible on this night. There was no reason why the match couldn't have been played at the Stadio de Luz. It wasn't. And part of it is probably because of the nine nothing result at Barcelona, which makes people quickly give up. 
because again, unfortunately, the fan culture in Portugal and our club is not immune to this. It's very much a resultadista uh, or a, a resultist uh, attitude. And once results don't go your way, it's as if the team doesn't deserve support anymore. Rather than looking at the match, analyzing what happened, analyzing the data, analyzing the, the play, and coming to an understanding as to what led to the result, which is the correct way to go. And I think that, that Benfica clearly did this because the adjustments they made in this match were all beneficial. Uh, Georgia Stanway gets a chance again from a free kick in the 47th minute. Um, the f- ball will then fall for Linda Magul and Lena, sorry, Lena Magul and her left footed shot from outside the box would be blocked again by Carol Costa. Uh, corner kick conceded though, still on the play as Kika is forced to play it out of play across the byline and giving the German side a corner kick. They play it short. The ball gets played around and eventually gets gets whipped in. But Gladys Vigos' daughter is offside. Or actually, she she's the one that delivers the cross. Excuse me. And Carolyn Simon is offside. In the 53rd minute, another attempt for Bayern Munich. It's Magol again. This time she receives the ball from Linda Dahlman. And she gets a header from the center of the box. But it's too high. It's up and it's over the bar. We got a substitution in the 58th. For Bayern, uh, Imeline Laurent comes on for Lena Magul, and it is due to an injury, so the German international comes off with an injury. And a minute later, it is Benfica once again, and it is Benfica really uh, sending shockwaves through not just the Bayern team, but the entire Women's Champions League, as it is Chloe Lacasse with a left-footed shot from the left side of the box to the center of the goal, beating the goalkeeper. Assisted by Ana Vitoria, it is Chloe. Once again, the Canadian puts her name on the score sheet once again, and it's no surprise why her national team manager continues to call her as she is just just a fantastic, fantastic finisher and a fantastic offensive weapon for Benfica. As this looks like, you're starting to believe, I should say, that this this is this upset might just happen here. It's half an hour to go, and Bayern looks surprised and so- shell shocked at this point. And problem is now this substitution makes all the sense in the world. And I see everybody once again. And, and when I get to the men's episode, I'm going to mention this again too because the people doing the same thing to Roger. Um, this substitution makes all the sense in the world. He does here. Felipe takes Kika off, and it is Andrea Norton coming in. And Andrea Norton, I've said it, and I, I stand by this, she is probably the best player in the Portuguese league all around. Okay, she's not a, a dynamic dribbler. She's not a goal scorer, but she's just a very, very solid, good midfield footballer. And she's so important in the Benfica setup. I don't fully understand why her playing time is reduced recently. Um, when you watch her play with the national team, she's an undisputed 90-minute player, but here at Benfica, for some reason, now she's splitting time, and I think part of it is that Felipe uh, still, she's trying to get everybody involved and trying to get everyone's level raised, everyone's fitness, but it's it's a double substitution, and um, these substitutions were good substitutions. Uh, also, Nicole, coming off injury. Kika, coming off injury. They can't go 90 minutes, um, and 
nobody's going to solidify that midfield and strengthen that midfield for you more than Andrea Norton. Andrea Norton replaces Kika. Jessica Silva brings some pace into the attack. This makes complete sense, replacing Nicole Reisla. Nicole is a hold-up player to an extent, has very good feet, uses her body very well to, to muscle off defenders, but she can't go 90 minutes yet. There's just not enough in the tank yet. I have no issue with these substitutions. I'll stand by the manager with this one. Um, and on paper, this should have worked. This should have worked. This should have solidified things. But again, we're playing Bayern Munich. We're not playing Maritimo. We're not even playing Sporting right now. Okay, we're playing Bayern Munich. Playing against players who play on the top national teams in the world, or at least in Europe, and players who play in the most high-level matches, okay? These substitutions make sense. If you can't see that, it's because you don't want to. I, I understand everybody loves Kika and wants her to play. She's not ready to play that much. We we got a lot out of her in this one, okay? We got a lot out of her in this one, but we can't risk another long-term injury by keeping her in there in these types of matches when she's not ready to go that length. And I'll talk about the, the Jessica substitution as well because that, that was a good substitution. That was nearly the substitution that got the winner in stoppage time because she brings a different dynamic. Both of these players changed the dynamic of Benfica. Okay, they, they, they change the way we look. They change what we do. And that's a good thing. That's a good adjustment to make at this stage in the match. Byron would also make an, uh, uh, they would also make a double substitution just a minute later. Uh, Giovanna Damjanovic replaces Leah Schuler, and Francisca Ketz replaces Linda Dahlman. And then in the 67th minute, it it uh, it started to come undone. It was a fantastic goal for Bayern Munich, no question about it. Maximilian Rall, her header from the center of the box, goes into the top corner. It's off a set piece. It's off a corner that Anna Vitoria needlessly uh, conceded. And again, you can't give German teams set pieces. They're too good at this stuff. Uh, Carolyn Simon uh, drew, whipped the cross in. It was a short corner, and then she whipped the cross in. And Raul got her head on it. It went high, and it went into the far post. And again, I know the analytics and the data say that you defend more goals with players defending a line across the goal area versus putting players defending the goal the posts right but again a defender on the back post would have cleared this one this would not have been a goal a lot of people are asking questions of katie talbert on this one i mean again this is something benfica is going to be very hard for benfica because we just don't get much experience playing against teams that can actually run these set pieces that can actually do something like this to us and at the end of the day it was a header between between Rawl and and Lucia Alves. I mean, there's a six to eight inch difference in height between them. And there's only so much Lucia can do in that situation. You have to avoid corner kicks and deep throw-ins for this reason when you play these teams. Um, it's it, it, If the height is a disadvantage for Portuguese players in the men's game, it's even more so in the women's game. And we saw that in the Euro as well. Okay. Uh, we saw that, that the, the the difference in height can be a disadvantage. Unless you're Barcelona, who literally keep the ball the entire match, and then the other team can't use their height, 
it, it, it's it's going to come into play at some point. And you have to take care of the ball when you have it. And you have to finish your opportunities when they come. And you have to avoid situations like this one. Okay, yes, the, the goal doesn't make Caitlin look great. Uh, the, the header goes up high but finds its way to the back post. But again, um, when you're playing with a much shorter team, I think personally I like my players still guarding the posts, especially when you don't have the height to win that ball along what we in America call the six-yard box, the edge of the goal line. Um, and, and the goal that's can't be the goalie's ball at this level because the goalie doesn't have the size to come out and and win these balls. It's just it's just a matter of fact. So these are situations you just want to avoid. But this is, again, part of the growing process. This is something that we have to accept, something that's that's we're going to learn to deal with over time. 70th minute, uh, Ana Vitoria tries a through ball, but Jessica is just offside. But in the 72nd, Jessica now plays the role of provider. She sets up Andrea Faria, and Andrea gets a solid foot to the ball. She shoots it low into the far corner, but it is saved by the goalkeeper. And if he can nearly win ahead, 3-1 to one there. And it had gone 3-1, to one, maybe we'd be sitting here saying, it, it, you know, maybe we'd be saying, it would be a different outcome, and we'd be looking at something completely different. But it wasn't. So the match continues at 2-2. Benfica playing well. Benfica going for it. Benfica not sitting back, which I like. Um, we end up getting we end up getting one of the center backs, Gladys Vigos' daughter, uh, booked here in the 79th minute when she fouls Jessica Silva. Jessica giving the Bayern back line trouble in this one this was not a bad substitution just because it didn't work out on the score sheet at the end in the 80th minute we see the return of Katarina Amadu to the UEFA Women's Champions League she replaces Valeria she gets 10 minutes on the pitch and she looked great she looked great she didn't look like she was favoring her leg in any way shape or form she was running she was running hard she was cutting well uh her touch looks good very, very promising, very, very encouraging to see her return this way. In the 81st, Paulita gets an opportunity. It's Jessica playing the setup again. Jessica finds uh, Paulita, who fires a right-footed shot from outside the box, but she misses just left. Another substitution for Bayern in the 83rd, a double substitution. On comes Tainara for Rawl, and Julia Ladenberger replaces Carlin Simon. And just like that, it was on, on maybe the next touch. It is the English woman. It is the European champion, Georgia Stanway. She receives a ball from Clara Buell, and she takes a left-footed shot from outside the box into the bottom right corner. Uh, some of you are a little harsh with, with, with Katie Talbert for this one, thinking she should have got to it. I think she stretched as much as she could. Uh, perhaps her reaction time was just a slight smidget too late. Um, it starts with a bad clearance as well. As Benfica's legs are gone, there there was nothing left in the legs of this Benfica team when it came to to knocking balls long. They just didn't have the strength. I think it was Lucia on this one. Tried to clear it. It only went as far as Buell. Buell found Stanway, and Stanway found the bottom right corner. 2-2, seven minutes from time. But Benfica didn't hang their head, and I like this. They didn't hang their head. They 
They got on with it. They they picked it up. They started playing forward. It could have been very easy to just sit back and try to play for the play for the point and try to you know go home happy with with a point. But Benfica went for it, and it was a nice ball played in behind. I believe it was it was Pauleta who played this ball into space. It might even make. Might have even been Christie out of the out of the back four that played a ball into space. Jessica gets in behind. Jessica's on the run, and she goes into the area, and she is taken down by Kumagai in the penalty area. The referee does not even hesitate. She points to the spot. Upon reviewing, upon the VAR, it's absolutely validated, and and it's a it's a good it's a good call by the referee it is a penalty kick 3 minutes from full time and you had to like the chances although this is when the substitutions i can see the 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 misfortune because this is when the substitutions taking out kika taking out uh nicole two of your normal penalty takers i was a little surprised not to see pauleta take it they gave the ball to ana vitoria she usually takes them this one she didn't take well. Uh, the goalie did not bite on her stutter step. Instead, just waited, read, read her body, and it was saved. It was saved right in the left corner, in the bottom left corner. A great save. It was not a great penalty, but it was on on most days against most keepers. It, it would have gone in, but the, the goalie came up huge here, saved it, and this was a bit deflating to Benfica, as they thought that they had uh, had a chance here to. To steal a winner late, and again we go back to the substitutions. But it was it, the players that came in contributed directly to this penalty being being uh, being created. None more than Jessica, of course, getting in behind and then be forcing the the defender Saki Kumagai of Bayern Munich to to pull her down ever so slightly, but it's all it took. Uh, when you're running at the pace that Jessica is, it does not take a lot to pull you, uh, you know, off, off balance. But unfortunately, Ana Vitoria unlucky on this one, unable to to convert the penalty. And Andrea Norton would have another opportunity of her own, but it'd be blocked by Kumagai in the 90th plus two. Again, it's Jessica Silva setting her up. So the Jessica Silva made a mark in this match. The unfortunate thing was in the 90th plus. Seven, yeah, ninetieth plus eight. After Benfica having the majority of the chances to steal a winner, Bayern get on the end of it here, and Bayern go the other way on a counter, and it's Georgia Stanway once again proving why she's one of the best in the world. Right-footed shot from outside the box, bottom left corner. Game a set match to the Bavarians. Bayern steal all three points late in this one, and really, really harsh, unjust loss for the Befica girls in this one. Tough, tough way to finish the match. It ends Befica 2, Bayern 3. Let's look a little bit here at the statistics. Befica getting 41% possession. That That's a good number. That's as good as you can hope for in this match, I feel like. From that 41% possession, though, they created 10 total shots, 9 scoring chances. The exact same number that Bayern got with their 59% percentage. Okay. Mefica combining for 285 accurate passes to Bayern's 432. Uh, pass success rate of 76% for Benfica to a 82% for Bayern. Fouls were Bayern committed 19 fouls to Benfica's 10. This team is still a little bit passive. 
the goals might have been avoided if someone had been in the general area to maybe commit a foul and let the team get back. But these are the things you learn coming through. These are the things you learn as the team is growing, as the team is is going up the levels and becoming, you know, one of the bigger names, one of the bigger clubs in the game. But really, really unfortunate. So close to an absolutely historic uh, victory. But not meant to be on the night and Bayern take all three points. Barcelona lead the group, though. They would win their match on the night. They would beat uh, Rosengard 4-0 in Sweden. And therefore, Barcelona lead the group with six points. They have 13 goals for one against. That's good for a... That's good for a plus 12 goal difference. And Bayern Munich would be second. Same number of points, six. This is, you know, more or less like last season. Although last season it was Bayern Munich and some and Leon that were in our group. So no matter what, it's going to be a tough group in the group stage. But six points for Bayern Munich as well, but only a plus two goal difference. Rosengard sit third while we sit fourth, obviously due to goal difference. Okay, the next match day. Now we'll have Benfica traveling. Let's see here. No, Benfica will be home on on November 24th, Thanksgiving evening. Wow. Thanksgiving evening, they're going to be going up head-to-head with the Men's World Cup almost at the same time. But Benfica will host Rosengard. I'm sure that's at the Seychelles. While Barcelona will host Bayern Munich at 12.45 p.m. Eastern time. So that's 5.45 p.m. Portuguese time. That's going to be a fun match to watch, but that's going to be also going on opposite the Men's World Cup. So I'm going to have two screens on my Thanksgiving. Uh, Here in the United States, that's Thanksgiving Day for those of you not in the United States. So that's a holiday for us. So when I've got my, I'll be at my Thanksgiving table eating food with a tablet and a phone in front of me with both of these, with both, with, you know, football on. But what's better on Thanksgiving than some good old fashioned football, not American football, real football. Uh, Nothing could be better on Thanksgiving Day. So I'm looking forward to that on Thursday, November the 4th. All right, that's going to do it for this segment. When we come back, we'll quickly recap the two matches in the Liga BPI here on Mr. Benfica, episode 149. <laughs> Music 101, it gets fun in the club, all done. 
less I go numb, make my flow dumb, go write a hit song called Fight or Run, so many idols come, so many idols go, but in the end, man, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Final segment, episode 149 of Mr. Benfica. Now we're talking Liga BPI. We'll start in round three. This match was played back on the 23rd of October at at the Cova Piedad Field. The I forget the name of the stadium, but um, again, uh, this this issue once again about this this team not having a, a home. And um, Rui Costa has got to do better. As good as he's doing, as as well as he's doing, uh, he and his board, his staff need to do better. This this is not acceptable. That one of the 16 elite women's teams, one of the teams in the UEFA Champions League, does not have a proper home field. And that they got to take, as we say, Levada Kazashkosh, there's in Portuguese, taking their home on their back, living out of their backpack, and train and play wherever wherever they can find space. This This needs to be resolved. This does not help the growth of the team. This does not help the performances on the pitch. This is... Um, just not acceptable for a team of this level and for for a club the stature of Benfica's, but and the pitch was not in good shape. Um, what can we say? It almost never is when we go play somewhere else. Once we play there a couple of times, it's too much stress on the on the pitch. These clubs don't have the resources to care for the pitches the same way once they get the added use of our women's team coming in. But uh, I'm sure we pay a pretty uh, hefty euro to to rent this field i'm sure it's not cheap so it should be kept in better condition but anyhow we take on lank villa verdes making the journey down all the way from minu from villa verde to to uh cova de piedad for this match let's take a look at the lineups we'll start with the visitors they have daniela aruju in goal they're playing 4-3-3 the center backs are Natalie Oronez and Shelby High. The American Shelby High. Uh, the left back is Madalena Marau. In the right back is Paulinha. Three in the midfield. Sini Lakosonen in the center of midfield. To her right, Rita Diaz. And to her left, Cristina Vieira. Um, in the attack, Maria Balea is the striker. She's got Mara Gonçalves to her left. And she's got Malu Schmidt. To her right, those are the 11 players taking the pitch for Lancavilla Verdes. For Benfica, it is Katie Talbert in goal. She's gotten most of the starts in the Liga BPI uh, this thus far, whereas Ruth Costa had gotten most of the starts in the Champions League until the match with Bayern. So it'll be interesting to see where where it goes going forward and if, if their roles are going to be reversed here, if one's going to start playing year, if, if, Katie's now going to start playing in Europe and Hoot in Portugal. Uh, we'll wait and see what the, the manager and her staff decide to do, but she gets the start. And we talked about in the Bayern match. This, this one here was a few days earlier, and this was the debut of, or I should say, the first time we see Christy Uchebe starting as a center back, a central midfielder converted to a center back. She partners with Carol Costa. Of course, this is due to injuries. Uh, our captain, Silvia Rebillo, has been out for some time now with an injury. She picked up with the national team. And now Ana Saisa, uh, the next in line, also injured. Hopefully she'll be back soon. She's posted some Instagram videos of herself training and doing her recovery work and her physical therapy. So hopefully she is back soon. Uh, but this is the makeshift defense for now. 
the right back. And this one is actually Anna Vitoria. She gets to start at right back while uh, Christy Ushebe start. Uh, sorry, not Christy. Uh, Lucia Alves starts at left back at her normal position. Uh, PlaymakerStats.com is bringing me this, this data, and they have it all wrong. So I have to, on the fly, change it, of course, in the hole. Playing as the holding midfielder, none other than Pauleta, our true number six, just who an absolute top-notch player in that position. Uh, she's been with the team since day one, of course. Uh, joining her in midfield, Andrea Fria and Maria Negrão. Interesting to note, Andrea Norton not even on the bench for this one. Again, so little communication from the club as to what's going on with these players, as to the status of these players. So perhaps her reduced minutes in the Champions League are also due to some sort of knock or some sort of injury or fatigue that she might be experiencing uh, in the three in attack in this one now. Uh, Valeria returns to her normal position up front, uh, and she partners with Chloe and with young Lara Pitasilu, who gets uh, a rare start here uh, for the young Portuguese forward. She would see action in the first half. Um, she would be subbed at halftime, and she would be subbed for Nicole Reisla at halftime. So this one would finish 2-0 to Benfica. Uh, goal in the seventh minute from Valeria. That's always important to get an early goal and really to remove the doubt. In the 82nd, it was Kika making it 2-0, getting her second goal of, not sorry, getting on the score sheet for the second goal of the match. As Benfica would see this result out. This is round three of the Liga BPI. And Benfica remain perfect. As we can look here. As stats become hard to come by in the Liga BPI. As opposed to in the Champions League. But Benfica seeing a lot of the ball in this. As can be expected. Working it around. Getting opportunities. Uh, you'd like to see them score more than two goals. Against a opponent like Vila Verdes. But again, Vila Verdes, one of the surprising teams in the league. They were promoted just uh, last season. And came up and had a very good first first uh, showing in the Liga BPI last year. And now, you know, back for a second year. And obviously still very competitive. Um, good to see some some rotation in the squad also. And this, this match actually served very well for as a trial for Christy Uchebe at center back. And it worked out enough for, for Philippa to trust it against Bayern Munich. And by and large, given the options she has at her disposal, I think it's the right decision. It's a no-brainer. There's no guarantee it's going to work. There's no, um, there's no guarantee that you know they're not going to lose. Just A lot of times as a coach, you make the right choices and get the wrong result it's a it's a fact of the game it, there's no way around that but if you go and pick up the three points here and move on to this past tuesday all right a holiday in portugal all, all saints day uh the first of november and Benfica making the short trip over to amadora to take on the mayas and another really the surprising team of the liga bpi this season the mayas um they came into this match unbeaten, believe it or not, and they feature one of our former players uh, who actually picked up the goal for them in this one. And again, it's it's kind of a head-scratcher because she left Benfica to uh, focus on her studies and focus on her career. She had 
made it seem like she wasn't going to play football anymore, and then she popped up on Demayance. Again, this would never happen in the men's game because they're full professionals. So you can just see the fact that this was able to happen in the women's game tells you how far we still have to go in Portugal to raise the level of the women's game. Benfica's doing what they can, but even they don't seem to ha give the financial viability to all of their players um, for them to you know, stay with Benfica and, and see that as a viable long-term career. And I'm talking, of course, about um, Beatriz Cameron, who is the, who is the, the captain of, of the Mayans. And um, yeah, she, she played well, but she went, she went to this team. And my guess is actually, after thinking about it is my guess is she um, couldn't handle the commitment of Benfica, you know, playing for Benfica along with her other responsibilities and, my guess is that Damayans is probably a more part-time commitment and, and much more manageable for her because she doesn't have to travel for European games and things like that. Um, that'd be my best guess. I have no insight into the situation, but my guess is that that's the reason she showed up on this team where she can still play her football against the best in Portugal without uh, sacrificing, I guess, her studies and her career uh, outside of the game or whatever. But and she was made the captain. I think she. I think this was her prior club before joining Benfica. So uh, she was welcomed back, obviously. But here's the lineups in this one. And we are at the Complex Desportivo Eugenia e Joaquim Canas da Silva in the Maya Amadora. And this is round five of the champ of the sorry of the Liga BPI. And Maria Inez Andrada is the referee. Uh, the lineup starting with Davies. Okay, Chandra Bednar, the Canadian, is the goalkeeper. It's the back. They've got Andrea Miron as the right back, Amanda Frisbee, uh, and Sara Monteiro as the center backs, and Ana Asusenia is the left back. Double pivot in midfield of the American Carolyn Baldwin and the Portuguese Daniela Santos. Behind said the aforementioned Beatriz Camino. Summer Green, another American, is the right forward. Marta Freira is the striker. And the left-sided forward is another former Benfica player uh, by the name of Carlota Cristo. She was a part of our team in the very first season. Ended up going on loan a couple times. Coming back from loan, going out on loan again. Now she is a permanent uh, player at uh, Damayas for Benfica. They would, they would go with Ruth Costa in this one. So after Katie got the start in Europe, Ruth gets the start here domestically. Carol and Christy, again, the center backs. Lucia and uh, Valeria are the outside backs. The midfield is Pauleta, Ana Vitoria, and Kika with Nicole gets the start at striker. Uh, Chloe to her left. And Jessica Silva to her right. This match played on an artificial surface as well, which made me very nervous about Nicole playing on artificial surface. That's where she tore her ACL and MCL last season playing in Madeira against Maritimo. Um, again, you've got other knee injuries in the team too, but uh, especially later when when um, Katarina Madu comes on for about 20 minutes in the second half. Andrea Norton comes on for about 20 minutes as well in the second half. Again, not sure if she's carrying some type of, of injury or something because her, she's such a good player. It makes no sense that she's playing so little. Um, we'd also see Marta Sintra, Daniela Silva, 
and Beatriz Nogueira in this one, also better known by everyone as Bibakish by her nickname. Um, and Befica made no doubt about this one. You know, this was first versus fourth. It was being billed as as a little bit of a showdown in it. I know the rivals having this is the other thing. Befica comes in knowing Sporting had lost at the weekend. They lost to Sporting Braga, two to one at Alcushit. And they knew that uh, a win here would, would put them level with Braga, top of the table, and three points ahead of Sporting, ahead of the Derby this weekend. And Befica really left nothing to be unknown. <laughs> left It was very much a one-sided matchup. And I think that the Mayans was a little bit surprised. I think they expected to compete a little bit more. Seventh minute, it's Jessica Silva getting on the board and making it 1-0 to Befica. And Befica just flying as just a few minutes later, 16th minute, Kika steps up. She converts a penalty. It's 2-0 to Benfica, and it's all downhill from there. In the 27th, Ana Vitoria makes it 3-0 in the 58th in the second half now. 58th, Jessica Silva gets on a header, heads it past the goalkeeper, and it is another goal for Benfica. It's 4-0. And let's just keep the good time. Let the good times roll, as they say, as Kika scores her second in the 69th minute, 5-0. And then Marta Sintra would finish the scoring for Benfica in the 73rd. After coming off the bench, she would get it and make it 6-0 before Beatriz came in. Our former player would pull one back. And this is an annoyance. And if you're Ruth Costa, this probably has to aggravate you, especially after having to pull the ball. Out of your goal nine times in Barcelona, uh, she's got to pull it out here against uh, the Mayans, and she can't keep the clean sheet, and I'm sure that's frustrating to everyone involved. But at the end of the day, this is a fantastic result for Benfica. This 6-1 sends a message to the rest of the Liga BPI, letting them know that uh, there's a difference between Benfica and the rest of the field right now. But that'll be ultimately tested this coming weekend. Benfica, like I said, travel to Alcuchet on Saturday. Uh, it's a 3 o'clock Portuguese time uh, kickoff against Sporting. And it's going to be tough. These are never easy games, no matter what form looks like, no matter that uh, Sporting are coming off of a defeat to Braga, a very aggravating defeat for them, I'm sure. They seem to always trip up against Braga right before playing us to add the pressure to themselves. But at the moment, it is uh, it is good to be Benfica, but Braga's right there as well. Here's the table now. After five rounds, Benfica, 15 points, perfect five victories, no losses, no draws. 21 goals, four for Benfica, one against. That's this one against the Mayans. The first goal, Benfica surrendered all league so far. Uh, frustrating, no doubt, for, for Benfica to surrender that goal heading into the derby, of course. Braga. Second, they're also on 15 points, but they've got a plus 11 goal difference. 17 goals scored, but six allowed. Third right now belongs to Sporting. They've got 12 points. They're three back. Uh, they're also at a plus 20 goal difference. Almost identical uh, statistics to us. They've scored one more goal than us, but they've also allowed one more goal than us. So it should be a good game Saturday. Fourth place is Fumalico. No surprise there. They got 10 points. Fifth place, though, also on 10 points. This is the surprise. This is the Mayans. Uh, now down to a plus two goal difference. They were at a plus seven before uh, this first loss of theirs to Benfica. 
uh, allows Fumbly Count to finally leapfrog them into fourth place. Sixth place, Lunk Villaverdense. They have seven points from five matches, two victories, one draw, two defeats, and nine goals for nine against. Torreense is seventh with six points. Athletic, Atletico Oriense is eighth with five points. Valadares Gaia is ninth with four points. And then in the relegation playoff zone, so uh, 10th and 11th place will drop to a relegation playoff with the second division's third and four, second and third place teams. Right now, those spots belong to Alvergeria with two points. And in 11th is Maritimu with zero points, all defeats, and a minus 18 goal difference. But that minus 18 goal difference is still three better. Then Amora's Amora has a negative 21 goal difference. They're in the automatic drop spot right now. So match day uh, six should be next on the docket. And here are the, the matches coming up. The fixture list for match day six or for round six. Braga host Torriense at the Primeiro de Mayo. Lanc Vila Verdense host uh, Family Cow in a Minho Derby. Uh, Athletic Oriense will host Valadares Gaia. Sporting hosting Benfica, as we said, at uh, Alcochete. Albergaria hosts Damaense. And Maritimo hosts Amora in Madeira. The goal scoring leaders at the moment it is Sporting's Diana Silva, top of the league with seven goals, while Sporting's Brenda Perez is, is second with six, and Chloe from Befica obviously is third with five. Befica has spread the goals out a lot more than, than Sporting, as you can see. Sporting with 22 goals and 13 of them between these two players, Diana Silva and Brenda Perez. All right, that's going to do it for this episode 149 of Mr. Benfica. I uh, hope you tune in Saturday to watch this derby against Sporting. I'll be tuning in. Uh, I believe it's on Canal Ones, and I hope that BTV is going to show it, if not direct. At some point, they haven't been doing a lot of that this season, so that's a little bit annoying. Um, I've got Canal Ones' uh, listings right up in front of me now. Uh, for Saturday, so it's saying on Canal Owns, this is directly from the Canal Owns app, at 14.55, Sporting versus Benfica Liga BPI, that's that's uh, 2.55, so five minutes before 3 o'clock Portuguese time, which is five minutes before 11 a.m. Eastern time here in the United States. Um, Canal Owns will be broadcasting that match live, so I'm looking forward to watching it. Uh, look, it, it, I, No reason Benfica shouldn't win this match right now. Sporting are down. They're gonna fight. They're gonna come in motivated, but uh, I think I think the pressure's on them and not on us in this one. And I think that Filippo will have the team ready to go and send them off to the international break, top of the table with some room to spare. Hopefully, at least between us and Sporting, I know Braga will probably pick up a win as well as they're playing at home this weekend. But um, it'll be great if Benfica can go into the international break with you know a perfect. Six victories from six matches in the Liga BPI. That's it. I'll be back very, very soon with episode 150. I can't believe the show's already at 150 episodes. It's coming up real soon. Um, like I said, by the time you listen to this, it's probably already in your podcast player, where I'll recap Benfica's historic night in the UEFA Champions League on the road at Maccabi Haifa. I'll talk to you then. This is the Mr. Mike Agustinu signing off. And see you next time. Carrega Benfica. And remember, hashtag, if you love football, you love Benfica. Mm -hmm.